70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of Global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Hi, my name is Lee Kowei. I'm a teacher at an experimental school in Suchen in Changsu Province, China. KBS World Radio always impresses me with its programs full of positive energy, lively hosts, and active communications with its listeners. The one hour I spend with KBS World Radio has become a crucial part of my day. I stay updated with major news from Korea through KBS World Radio News, Korea Today and Tomorrow, and current affairs in focus. I roam the streets of Seoul through Seoul Calling, read novels by Korean writers through Books on Demand, and listen to Korean traditional music through Sounds of Korea. Last but not least, Magazine K is where KBS World Radio and its listeners can communicate with one another, which adds extra warmth and character to the station and makes me love it more. Happy 70th birthday! Seventy years with KBS World Radio, seventy years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. Thursday, February 23rd. Welcome to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. I'm your host, An Jae-woo. The Bank of Korea kept its benchmark interest rate steady amid signs of economic slowdown. We'll have more details in our news briefing shortly. And then on In-Depth, we'll look further into the central bank's latest rate decision and its ramifications for the nation's economy with the help of an economist. And on Explore Korea, we'll learn about the history and beauty of the Korean traditional paper, Hanji. All that and more on today's Korea 24. The central bank took a breather from its 17-month rate hike trend amid signs of a prolonged economic downturn, freezing its key interest rate at 3.5%. The bank also revised down its forecast for both growth and inflation by a tenth of a percentage point. Our KBS World Radio News editor Ku Hee-jin joins us in the studio to brief us on the decision by the Bank of Korea, as well as our other headlines of today. Hello, Hee-jin. Hello, Joe. All right, so... The BOK's monetary board on Thursday maintained its benchmark interest rate at 3.5% to deal with an economic slowdown. Heejin, can you break down the figures for us? Well, the central bank decided to freeze the key rate, ending a 17-month period from August 2021 that saw 10 rate hikes, totaling three percentage points. Mm -hmm. The decision came amid growing concerns over a recession as Asia's fourth largest economy contracted in the fourth quarter last year for the first time in two and a half years with the gross domestic product shrinking 0.4% from the previous quarter. However, the rate-setting board left the door open to a possible hike, agreeing to maintain austerity to fend off inflation and pave the way for a future upward adjustment. Mm -hmm. 
BOK Governor Lee Chang-yong said the panel will closely monitor price fluctuations, uh, the US Federal Reserve's moves, uh, economic recovery in China and the housing market. Right. And amid signs of persistent stagnation at home, the BOK revised down this year's real growth forecast by a tenth of a percentage point. What more can you tell us about this? Well, the BOK lowered this year's real growth forecast to 1.6%, staying below the government's estimated potential growth rate in the 2% range. The central bank, which also lowered its inflation projection to 3.5%, said the pace of inflation will likely begin to ease up after peaking at around 5% this month. Mm -hmm. The BOK's decision comes as the minutes from the US Central Bank's Federal Open Market Committee meeting from late January to early February, suggests that the Fed will likely further raise rates by a quarter of a percentage point next month, fueling concerns about capital outflow from South Korea. Okay. And meanwhile, South Korea is banking on exports to help cushion a soft landing for the economy this year, setting a target at $685 billion U.S. billion. Can you tell us more about this? Well, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy outlined the goal during an export strategy meeting chaired by President Yoon Suk-yeol on Thursday, raising it by $5 billion from its initial objective set late last year. Uh, the government plans to inject a budget of $1.5 trillion won into projects that support exports and provide up to $362.5 trillion won in trade financing. Under the plan, a total of 18 agencies, including the Environment, Education and Defence Ministries, as well as the Korea Customs Service and Public Procurement Service will mobilize to help support the expansion. Okay. South Korea also plans to boost incentives to attract foreign direct investment in high-tech industries. Can you elaborate, please? Well, the Trade Ministry unveiled its plans on Thursday during another meeting chaired by uh, Minister Andokun in Seoul on facilitating such investments. Some 25 officials, including those from the US and European Chambers of Commerce in Korea and from the Korea Trade Investment Promotion Agency, attended the meeting. The ministry outlined a three-point proposal to boost incentives, starting off with the high-tech industries and supply chains in the form of financial support and assistance in gaining footing. The ministry also plans to form specialised teams focusing on 100 key companies. And finally, the ministry said it will uh, seek to strengthen communication with foreign invested enterprises, including holding regular meetings. All right. And now taking a look in domestic politics... Main opposition Democratic Party leader Lee Jae-myung on Thursday slammed the prosecution for redirecting investigations into allegations of his corruption after the Yoon suk yeol administration took office last May, right? Yes, indeed. He was speaking at a press conference a day before the National Assembly is set to receive a request seeking parliamentary approval on a warrant to arrest him. He accused the president of attempting to oppress the opposition, saying the change in the prosecution probe came after Yun won last year's presidential race. Hmm. Referring to the content of the warrant, he claimed that it looks more like propaganda, containing only distorted testimonies while lacking hard evidence. He speculated that the administration is only craving for images of him attending the warrant hearing, waiting in te- uh, detention or in handcuffs. He was charged with breach of trust, conf- conflict of interest, corruption, bribery and concealing profits from 
economic crime during his term as mayor of Songnam. While lawmakers can be stripped of the uh, immunity from arrest granted by the National Assembly with a simple majority in a parliamentary vote, the motion on ease warrant is expected to fail in the face of the DP's 169-seat majority in the 300-member chamber. Okay. And a trial for the former head of Sangbanger Group accused of remitting $8 million to North Korea began on Thursday without the defendant present. Can you tell us more? Well, the Suwon District Court held the preparatory uh, hearing for Kim Song-tae on charges of violating the foreign exchange transaction law, the political funds law, bribery, embezzlement and breach of trust. Thursday's hearing will be followed by a second on March 9th, as the prosecution has not yet completed the transfer of discovery materials to Kim's legal team uh, amid ongoing probes into his accomplices. Kim is accused of transferring five million dollars to Pyongyang in 2019 on behalf of Gyeonggi province to finance a smart farm project in the regime with an additional three million dollars allegedly sent to cover a trip to the north by main opposition DP leader Lee Jae-myung. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was Gyeonggi governor at the time. Sure. Uh, the prosecution suspects that the payments were made in exchange for assurances from the provincial government of f- uh, business favours and support for the domestic underwear maker in future collaborative projects with North Korea. And speaking of North Korea, Foreign Minister Park Jin said the U.S. extended deterrence is the only way South Korea can effectively protect itself from the threats of North Korea as the regime will not give up nuclear weapons voluntarily. Please tell us more about this. Well, Minister Park made those remarks on Wednesday in an interview with CNN, calling North Korea a clear and present danger. Park said that what North Korea is doing is completely wrong, Mm. condemning the North's continued missile launches at an unprecedented frequency amid the possibility of a seventh nuclear test. He emphasized that the U.S. extended deterrence is the only effective protection for South Korea against the North's aggression, adding that enhancing that deterrence would involve the effective deployment of U.S. strategic assets as well as exercises and training. The minister also stressed the need to create an environment in which the North has no choice but to return to the negotiating table. I see. Well, that brings us the end of today's news briefing. Hijin, thank you so much. Thank you. Bank of Korea's monetary policy meeting taking place today, we're conducting our weekly economy review segment a day earlier than usual. We'll take a look at the BOK's rate announcement, its implications, and the growth forecast for 2023 that was revised to 1.6%, among other topics. And for that, our trusted economics pundit, Professor Yang Jun-seok from the Catholic University of Korea, joins us online. Hello, Professor Yang. Hello. Great. So uh, let's see. The Bank of Korea has maintained its benchmark interest rate at 3.5% to deal with the economic slowdown, saying that, quote, it is forecast that inflation will continue to be above the target level throughout the year, although it is projected to gradually decrease. And uncertainties surrounding the policy decision are also judged to be high, end unquote. 
The freeze ends a rate hike trend that continued for 17 months since August of 2021. During the period, the central bank raised key rates seven times in a row. Professor Yang, what do you make of today's announcement? Okay, well, until about two weeks ago, I would have agreed with the uh, Bank of Korea's decision. Uh, But because of some recent developments, mostly taking place in the last 10 days or so, especially in the United States, uh, I'm beginning to sort of regret uh, that uh, statements that I made earlier about how the uh, rates are probably not going to rise uh, in February. Hmm. Uh, Now, because inflation is still strong in Korea, Bank of Korea uh, did need to uh, keep on the uh, trend of raising rates. Uh, the uh, BOK has emphasized that they should not look at today's uh, freeze in interest rate as uh, the end of rising rates. It's just a, a little breather. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that is within expectations. Uh, but Korea is currently in a so-called interest rate reversal where U.S. rates are higher than Korean rates. And the gap right now is 1.25 percentage points, mm-hmm. which is manageable. Uh, but Korea does need to continue to manage the gap so it doesn't uh, get too wider uh, to if Korea wants to uh, tr- uh, try to maintain stability in the foreign uh, currency markets and uh, stability in uh, international capital movements. Uh, but Korea, Korea's economy is very weak. Fourth quarter growth rate was minus 0.4%, and growth is expected to be sluggish this year. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the uh, BOK's estimate for this year's growth is only 1.6%. It's a slight downward revision from their last estimate. And uh, the personally, I think there's a good chance that first quarter growth may be negative. Uh, now, the uh, Fed raised the rates by 25 basis points on February, and it w- uh, was expected that the uh, Fed will raise the rates again by 25 basis points during their next meeting in late March. So given that condition, and also given the condition that foreign exchange uh, rates will remain stable in Korea, uh, Korea did not need to match the U.S. rate increases one per one. Uh, So it was thought that Korea could skip raising the rates either this month or during their next meeting, which is in April. Mm -hmm. And until about a week ago, foreign exchange rates were relatively stable. The Korean won was well within uh, the uh, 1,200 range, and it wasn't experiencing that much of a turmoil. But, of course, that changed in the last week or so when it uh, hit 1,300 rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's a uh, foremost reason why uh, I'm, uh, I changed uh, my mind about not raising the rates uh, in February. Uh, and then the uh, related to the first uh, reason is that the Fed is now considering raising the rates more uh, during the first half of the year. They're mm-hmm. talking seriously right now about 50 basis points uh, increase in the next meeting in March or the uh, meeting after. Uh, that's because the uh, labor market in the United States is still running hotter than expected. Wage increases are more than expected. Uh, so uh, the Fed 
uh, is considering apparently 50 basis point increases. And if that is so, then the interest rate gap between Korea and U.S. will be worse than what we had thought. And that would increase the uh, possibility that the uh, current uh, exchange rate uh, will become unstable like what we saw last autumn. Uh, And then third reason is that while the uh, Bank of Korea's uh, increasing the policy rates, the market rates uh, in the last two weeks or so is coming down. Hmm. Now, uh, the problem with that is that while the uh, in, the inflation does not go down magically, uh, it depends on economic activities slowing down, and that depends on market interest rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole reason why the Bank of Korea is raising The uh, policy rates is that through the policy rates, it's hoping to affect the market rates uh, to become higher and slow down economic activity. But if the market rates are coming down, then it may actually increase uh, economic activity. And that means inflation will last longer and it may become even higher. So that is actively working against the what Bank of Korea intends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those reasons, uh, I kind of uh, changed my mind about whether it will be good having a uh, rate freeze in February. But I understand the uh, Bank of Korea's uh, point of view. Uh, the econ- eco- Korean economy is slowing down, perhaps faster than expected. And unlike... Uh, academics like myself, Bank of Korea cannot make quick turns. Sure. They need to, uh, they need to uh, give some weight behind their movements. Uh, so perhaps the uh, signals that uh, I was talking about, the uh, exchange rates hitting 1,300, uh, market rates coming down, perhaps that hit uh, the market uh, later uh, too late for it to affect the BOK decision, but still, uh, because the next B- B- uh, BOK meeting will be in April, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be a long gap between now and the next time that BOK can change the rates, it is a bit concerning. Okay. Um, I say we take a, look, a closer look at the multivariable function, a nature of the situation, especially regarding everything you've said so far, in just a little bit more detail. So the U.S. Federal Reserve is expected to raise its key interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point again next month. Now, now the rate hike would further widen the gap between the Fed's rate and that of the BOK, heightening concerns about capital outflow. Although in a post-meeting press conference today, BOK Governor Yi Chang-yong did leave the door open to a possible hike, agreeing to maintain austerity to fend off inflation and pave the way for a future upward adjustment. He said the rate-setting board will closely monitor price fluctuations, the U.S. Federal Reserve's moves, economic the recovery, economic recovery in China and the housing market as well. Uh, Professor Yang, what's your outlook for the BOK's rate decisions in the coming months? How do you think the Fed's move will affect the BOK's rate decisions? Okay, well, inflation is going to come down, but it's not going to come down anywhere near uh, Bank of Korea's uh, goal of 2%. So Mm. there will be reasons to continue to raise rates. Uh, In addition, the uh, interest rate gap, uh, we have to manage that to make sure it doesn't go too high. And my expectation 
because of that is that because Korean economy is not as strong as U.S. economy, when U.S. raises the rates twice, Korea should raise the rates once. If the Korea, if U.S. raises the rate by 50 basis points, Korea should raise it by 25 basis points. And because we did not raise the rates in February, we're probably going to have to raise the rates in April. Uh, that's under the expectation that the uh, Fed uh, raised the rates in January, which they did, and then they will raise the rates again in uh, uh, March. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and uh, they will raise the rates again in May, but only by 25 basis points each. Uh, now, if they change that plan, if they ch- uh, raise it more than 25 basis points, or if they decide to raise it longer, uh, it was expected that the uh, rate increase will probably stop around the uh, 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 end of the first half of the year. But if the U.S. decides to raise it further, then in order to maintain uh, that interest rate gap below a threshold, uh, you, Korea will probably have to continue to raise rates. So I expect the uh, raise, uh, rates to rise in uh, April by at least 25 basis points, maybe higher if the Fed gives clear signals that they will raise the rates more than expected or longer than expected. I see. And alongside the benchmark interest rate announcement, the Bank of Korea also lowered their growth outlook to 1.6% from the previous 1.7%, while projecting this year's inflation rate to be 3.5%. Professor Young, what do you make of these figures? Do you agree with the BOK's assessment? Well, uh, I personally think it's a bit too optimistic, both Mm -hmm. on the inflation side and growth side. Uh, But I tend to be a pessimist on these matters. Uh, 1.6 is in line with most other recent estimates. The uh, 1.6 is also the government estimate. And uh, the IMF estimate and KDI estimate, which came out this year, are both 1.7%. So uh, and both has been uh, revised downward. Uh, with their latest projections, so it's uh, consistent with other uh, research institutions. Inflation at 3.5 percent, that's the same as KDI's estimation and the government estimation, uh, and they're all expecting about 4 percent uh, interest, 4 uh, percent inflation in the 4 percent range during the first half of the year and 3 percent range during the second half of the year, average out to 3.5 percent. Uh, and uh, the research institutions, the government agencies seem to be converging on their opinion. Of course, this assumes that there's no surprises, uh, that the uh, problems in Ukraine does not get worse. There's no additional pandemics. The uh, weather stays relatively stable. Uh, but of course, uh, those are all uh, something that we don't know it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the uh, growth rates, exports, at least so far, it's only been two months, uh, less than two months, but still, it's been disappointing. We expected more rise in exports because China reopened, uh, but exports are not going up as much as expected. uh, And there will be pressure on exports to go downward for the rest of the year, partially because uh, global inflation, Global disinflation is making the value of Korea's exports lower, and the economic slowdown will make the volume of Korean exports lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to look at uh, the uh, February uh, export figures 
uh, to see whether uh, this type of uh, pattern will come true. For inflation, uh, food and energy prices are falling, uh, but now the uh, major contributor seems to be utilities and possibility of wage increases. Mm -hmm. Utilities, well... Uh, this shows a problem with government policy. I certainly understand the fact that they did not want to raise inflation even more last year, mm -hmm. so they held down on the prices. But because of that, they have to raise prices this year and next year. So this is making inflation a uh, long uh, period of inflation longer. Mm -hmm. So uh, you might argue that this uh, uh, trade-off was necessary. But still, right now, the uh, uh, utility price increases have become a major problem for inflation. Also, minimum wages rose by 5.05% uh, last year and 5% this year. Uh, so uh, wage, uh, even if you're not a, a minimum wage earner, if you even earn more wages than minimum wage, this is probably going to affect your wages as well, and coupled with higher inflation, higher prices, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, labor uh, movement to raise wages this year, and that could play a crucial role in keeping inflation high. Okay, well, we're going to have to leave it there. Professor Young, thank you so much as always. Thank you. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 21.41 points, or 0.89% on Thursday, to close the day at 2,439.09. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also rose, gaining 4.77 points, or 0.61%, to close at 783.28. On the foreign exchange, the local currency strengthened 7.81 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,297.11. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. And next up, we have our daily segment, Korea Trending. For this part of the show, we cover some of the hottest topics in South Korea, handpicked by the Korea24 team. And to bring them to us today is the one and only Diane Yu. Hello, Diane. Hello, Joe. It's good to see you, too. Great. So, all right, today, what three stories do you have for us? Today, we're going to talk about how public transportation users in Korea can save more money from next month. Next, we'll take a look at the results of a survey that asked if Korean office workers were satisfied with their current jobs. Last, we'll have some great news for the South Korean men's national baseball team ahead of the World Baseball Classic. All right, so you save some money and you go to work. If you like your job, that's good. If not, then screw it. And then you can enjoy some baseball afterwards and forget all about it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, then let's get straight into the first story. So uh, if there's anyone out there who just tuned in, I think it is your lucky day because it's about how we can save some money. Right. With all the prices rising for groceries, public transportation, and even utility fees, mm -hmm. people are coming up with smart ways to save money. And the government's stepping in to help more people take advantage of its public transportation policy. The Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transport announced on Wednesday that from next month, it will expand the benefits of its economical transportation card system, which will reduce the economic burden of public transportation users. 
Okay, so can you tell us a little bit more about this card, what exactly it is and how it works? Right, the Economical Transportation Card, or 알뜰교통카드 in Korean, is a card that accumulates mileage in proportion to the distance traveled by walking or cycling to a bus stop when using public transportation. Interesting. Anyone can use it, and more mileage is accumulated for young people and those with low income. And from July, the ministry is also planning to introduce a plus card with an increased monthly mileage limit from the current 40 four times to 60 in line with the new benefits. This means that transportation cost savings would increase from between 10,000 to 40,001 per month to between 15,000 to 66,001. That's a saving of anywhere between 12 to 51 dollars a month. Hmm. For those with low income, additional saving of up to 110,001, about 85 dollars per year, can be achieved as well. Not bad at all. All right. So how do you apply for this service? Cards can be found at a number of banks, each Institute plans to provide benefits such as additional discounts on transportation fees as well as mileage. People who want to earn money while commuting can download the Economical Transportation Card app on their smartphones and register the affiliate card that can, came from one of the institutes. Wonderful. Okay, and the second story, I believe this has something to do with job satisfaction? Right. They say that everybody holds a letter of resignation in their heart, mm-hmm. ready to hand it in whenever they feel burnt out or unsatisfied with their work. However, not here at KBS World Radio, right? No, right. We're all very happy. <laughs> and it looks like it's not just words, but actually true. People desire to change their careers if an opportunity opens as they are not satisfied with their jobs. Sure. This is according to Incrute, an HR tech company in South Korea. Incrute announced on, Wednesday, announced on Wednesday that it conducted a survey on over 880 office workers from January 9th to 15th to find out their satisfaction level with their current jobs. The survey they also looked at if the participants would change their jobs if they traveled back in time. I see. Well, so can you walk us through what the results found exactly? Okay, the results found that 84.3% of the respondents said that they would change their jobs if they could go back to the past. 84.3%. Right, so the majority. And Mm -hmm. as for the new careers that would most likely shift to shift to, Mm -hmm. becoming a developer was the top choice with 26% of the votes. Why am I not too surprised? And YouTuber followed with 9.4% of the votes, and then Doctor with 7.4%. Not too surprised, two and three. Right, Hmm. so many participants said that they would like to go back to their school days and change their major for their better career choice. Mm-hmm. As for the desired major, science and engineering studies was the most popular choice with 20.8% of the answers, then medicine with 18%. Okay. So then what about job satisfaction? I mean, they must be dissatisfied with their work if they're saying that they would go back in time to change careers, right? Right. Unfortunately, the respondents' satisfaction with their current jobs was generally low, Only 15% responded that they were satisfied with both work and labor conditions. Around 35% answered they were satisfied with their jobs but were disappointed in labor conditions, and 10.7% the other way around. Hmm. Low annual salary and its slow increase rate were cited as the biggest reason for not being satisfied with their current jobs. This was followed by insecurity about the future and the work not being suitable for their aptitude. Okay. 
And finally, we have some sports news. Right. We have some welcoming news for the South Korean men's national baseball team ahead of the World Baseball Classic that takes place next month. It's been revealed that two major league baseball players, Kim Ah Sung, a shortstop for the San Diego Padres, and Tommy Edmond, a second baseman and shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals, will be joining the national team earlier than expected. The Korea Baseball Organization announced on Thursday that Kim and Edmond will return to Korea on March 1st, Korea time. Edmond is expected to arrive at Incheon International Airport at around 6 a.m., followed by Kim at around 5 p.m. All right. And to my understanding, the national team arrived back in Korea today after they concluded their training camp in Arizona. Mm -hmm. With only the two players, Edmund and Kim, still in the U.S. for training for their uh, respective clubs, I believe. Well, can you give us a brief background of these two star players? Sure. They are the only major leaguers on the national team. Mm -hmm. The two are evaluated as infielders with excellent defensive skills in MLB and great asset to the team for the upcoming championship. Edmund won the gold glove for a second baseman in 2021. And even though Kim failed to win the award last season, he was recognized for his defense by being named as one of the three finalists for the National League Gold Glove Award. The national team coach Lee Gang-char said that with Kim as shortstop and Edmund in charge of second base, he plans to lighten the weight on the shoulders for, of the pitchers with watertight defense. Excellent. And uh, what's the schedule for the national team before the big international tournament? Well, after completing their first domestic training on March 2nd, the national team will play an evaluation match against the SSG Landers on the 3rd before leaving for Japan uh, the next day. Mm -hmm. However, Kim and Edmund will not be playing in the match against the Landers according to the rules of the MLB Players Union. Mm -hmm. The two will be able to join the pre-WBC exhibition games against the Oryx Buffaloes on March 6th and against the Hanshin Tigers on the 7th. And the Buffaloes and the Tigers are Japanese professional ball clubs, right? Right. And after that, the national team will move to Tokyo on the 8th and undergo adaptation training at the Tokyo Dome. Then South Korea will play its first WBC Pool B game against Australia on the 9th. All right. Well, I hope all the success for the national team of Mm -hmm. Korea. And I believe that's all the time we have for today's Korea Trending. Diane, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's time for our weekly segment, Explore Korea, where we take a journey across the peninsula, discovering more about the country's history and culture. Joining us this week online is Ali from the Korean historical travel website, Pinpoint Korea. Ali, hello. Great to speak with you. Lovely. Okay, now, although we're all desperate for that spring weather, the truth (laughs) is that South Korea is still experiencing winter, right? However that, mm-hmm, however, that doesn't have to mean staying home day after day. And in fact, there are plenty of cozy indoor experiences for locals and tourists alike that highlight Korea's unique history and culture. And one of the most popular options is creating crafts made from hanji, hashtag hanji, right? An <laughs> ancient type of Korean paper that is still commonly seen in craft art and other practices of art as well today. Now, can you first tell us more about the history of this wonderful type of paper? 
Yeah, so as you mentioned, hanji is a traditional Korean paper that's actually made using the bark of mulberry trees as the key ingredient. Mm -hmm. And that bark in particular makes it strong, durable, yet very soft to the touch. And these kinds of papers and this, these trees were actually first imported from China. But Koreans later developed their own unique methods of making hanji paper. And even some historic Korean documents have been printed on hanji paper. Two in particular are very famous Buddhist texts. So there's the great Dharani Sutra of Immaculate and Pure Light, which was published in 704. Hmm. And it's actually known as the first printed document in the world. And there's also the Daebanggwang Bulhwa Omgyeong from 755. And that is interesting because it actually has information about papermaking technology and the production sites of ancient Korea. Right. So Hanji is really a treasure because we can see that it's endurance and that many of the ancient documents that use Hanji paper are in good condition today when compared to, you know, modern technology like CDs or microfilm that we use for documentation. So those have to be changed every 15 exactly. years, but Hanji lasts for thousands of years. Sure. Very long time. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Now then how is it possible? How is this wonderful type of paper Hanji made? Making Hanji can be broken down into three steps. The first step is actually preparing the materials that you would need. Mm -hmm. So the mulberry tree is cut into pieces. And then the pieces are tied into bundles and placed around an iron pot lid with water poured over it. Then the pieces are surrounded with straw sacks, followed by lighting a fire under the bark. So that allows it to peel. Mm -hmm. So the bark is then peeled off the wood by hand and dried. And then you take the dry bark and submerge it in water and press it to remove any excess moisture. And that leaves these pure white fibers. And then you add lye. Boil the mixture for three hours, wash the remaining fibers, and spread out the mixture on a flat stone, which is then crushed with a pestle. And then the root of the mulberry tree is also mashed into a kind of sticky water mm -hmm. and where the fibers are added and mixed together. And for the second step, the materials are actually sifted into a kind of frame and dried. So the completion ends up with these pieces of hanji parchment. So it's very complicated, but mm -hmm. I think it's easy to, to kind of visualize each step. Exactly. And, um, you know, based on the description you just gave, I think making hanji itself is actually a wonderful form of art. But, Absolutely. Um, yes. But, um, yeah, in particular, which part of the process makes this paper so durable? Yeah, there is actually one part of the process. It's called dochim, and mm -hmm. that is when you spread out damp paper and pound it with a pestle. And that helps to increase the density and fiber formation. Of course. And then also increases smoothness and adds shine and amplifies that softness, um, which also makes it free of any kind of lint. Mm -hmm. And it's also really special because it absorbs all colors. It's very soundproof and even has insulating capabilities. So mm. people use it for wallpaper, door frames, floors, and to make furniture. Wonderful. Okay. And if someone was interested in making a craft from Hanji, what would be some traditional options? Well, hanji is used in a variety of craft art. Um, a very popular example would be mulberry paper dolls. And traditional hanji dolls often have these funny, humorous expressions and kind of muted pastel colors. And hanji is just really easy to mold into any shape. So people have started to make jewelry from it or any kind of figurine, really, that they want. Wonderful. And so on that note, if our listeners wanted to express the hanji-making process firsthand... Is there anywhere in the country they should visit? 
Oh, absolutely. So there is the Jeonju Hanji Museum. Um, unfortunately, this is at temporarily closed, so make sure that you check the museum website before your visit. Okay. But if you can go to the museum, they have a demonstration of the whole history of Hanji and the production process, as well as a wide range of classes available. Mm -hmm. But you can also go to the Wonju Hanji Theme Park, which isn't very far from Seoul. Mm -hmm. And Wanju was once known as the capital of Hanji from ancient times due to their large amount of mulberry trees. Oh, I see. The museum has a lot of hands-on experiences, although you aren't allowed to take photography there. Sorry, bloggers. <laughs> um, and some of the experience are jewelry making, doll making, pencil cases, mirrors, all kinds of things. The classes typically range from around 2,000 to 15,000 won, so mm -hmm. it's pretty reasonably priced. If you are interested in going there, you can take a train from Seoul Station, the QTX, to Wanju Station. That will take about an hour and a half, so it's great for a day trip. Mm -hmm. And then I suggest just getting a taxi from the station. The ride is about 15 minutes and will cost around 10,000 won. Okay. But if you are staying in Seoul and want something more local, you can definitely go to the Bukchon Hanok Village, which many people know already. Sure. They have a paper doll workshop uh, with Ko Kyung-hwa, uh, Cho Kyung-hwa, Duck Paper Doll Workshop is the okay. name. And these are actually paper dolls that were significant in the 1960s, but they have also had other like hanji classes, like jewelry making classes in the past. Mm -hmm. And all of the experts there are professionals whose work has been featured in Korean film and television. And if you are sticking around Korea or if you live here, there's a 12-week program available there um, that teaches you a huge range of hanji craft making and also how to make hanji paper. Walk-in visits are possible, and each class costs around 13,000 won. And you can get there from Anguk Station Exit 2, which is line 3, and just walk straight for 10 minutes, and the village will be on your left. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have. Uh, Ali, thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Okay, great. Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea 24. On Monday, we bring you news from the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. Are you a fan of books? Then tune in on Wednesday for Korea Book Club, where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explore Korea. And on Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place, on Korea 24. And last but not least, we have our daily segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we'll look at some of the biggest stories from tomorrow's newspapers. The Korea Times and the Korea Herald have been kind enough to give us a preview of their editions for tomorrow, so we are very grateful for that. Our staff editor at KBS's English service, Richard Larkin, joins us in the studio. Richard, it's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Great. So, what is today's first article? Well, it's been just over one year since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and many people have been affected by the war. Mm. Lee Jong-yeon's article in the weekend, a section of the Korea Herald, takes a look at the lives of some of the 875 Goryeo-in that fled to South Korea. Ah, uh, yes. 
And Richard, for our listeners who may not know what Koryoin means, can you tell us more about them? Sure. So Koryoin means a descendant of South Koreans who migrated to Russia and the former Soviet Union in the 19th and 20th centuries. Mm -hmm. Many did not know much about Korea, but their lives have been turned upside down because of the war. For example, Kim Volodymyr, a 17-year-old fourth-generation Goryeo-in, had to leave his hometown as it became a target of bombings. Now he lives in a village near Gwangju and is trying his best to settle down and work. And as I mentioned before, he is not alone. 875 people have had to flee from bombings and start a new life here. All the best to the 875 people. Uh, Richard, is there any help for these people who have had to flee Ukraine? There is a village near Gwangju called the Goryeo-in village, which actively helps Korean descendants with plane tickets, education and more. Wonderful. Thanks to the village, many are able to settle down, learn Korean and then work in jobs such as farming. However, the village's big problem right now is a lack of funding, so they had to stop reaching out to those in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Shinjoya, the, who is the co-founder of the village, said Goryeo-in have nowhere to go and that Korea is the land of their ancestors. So she hopes that they will feel connected to Korea and that they won't be treated as just guests. Mm -hmm. The article goes into more detail about the lives of some of the people who came to Korea. It's an interesting read. Indeed. And so what's the next story you have for us? Next is Lee Hyojin's article in the national section of the Korea Times. The article is about Han Yoon-soo, a 75-year-old migrant workers' rights activist. He has published a 10-book series about his decades-long experience helping foreign workers in Korea. Wow. The collection Blooming Violets contains around 900 essays that Han has written on his personal blog and for his columns for a local newspaper. Wow, number two, 900 essays. <laughs> that is a lot. Well, Richard, what sort of topics are brought up in the books? Well, according to the article, the books give insight into the workers' harsh environments, delayed payments, and physical and sexual abuse by employers. Mm-hmm. Han said that although he has helped many foreign workers, he noticed that currently there is no written record of their struggles. So a few years ago, with help from his colleagues, he came up with the idea for the collection. Han said he hopes his books can shed light on the lives of migrant workers who have been largely invisible in Korea. He added that they have now become irreplaceable members of Korean society. Sure. And does Han still work closely with foreign workers? He does. He has been head in the Hwasong Migrant Workers Support Center in Gyeonggi Province since its establishment in June 2007. Excellent. The center offers free legal consultations to foreign workers across the nation. They try to help workers in all sorts of situations, such as delayed payments and physical abuse by employers. All right. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you. Okay. So this brings us to the end of today's edition of Korea 24. Well, the Korea 24 team will take a break tomorrow as it is the last Friday of the month. Instead of Korea 24, we will play the 2018 Liberation Day special program, A Great Journey Toward Independence, Female Soldiers in Korean Liberation Army. You can always listen to our show on our apps, KBS Kong, KBS World Radio, and KBS World Radio on air at 7.10 p.m. Korea Standard Time every weekday. Shortwave listeners can check the broadcast schedule on the KBS World Radio website to find out when Korea 24 is played in your region. Our regular host, Kwon Jang-ho, will be back on Monday. This has been your host for the week, An Jae-woo. Thank you for tuning in. Goodbye.
KBS World Radio. KBS World Radio offers all you need to know on Korea through its various programs. Tune in to One Fine Day with Lena Park and join the K-pop diva for two fine hours every weekday. Are you into the latest K-pop tracks? Then K-pop Connection is your fix. Brian Ju brings you the best of K-pop and K-culture. On Korea 24, host Kwon Jang-ho helps listeners digest all the biggest stories coming out of South Korea. Keep up with what's happening on the peninsula by listening to Korea 24. Learn about Korean folktales on Mondays with Global Audiobook, Once Upon a Time in Korea. If you're a bookworm, don't miss Books on Demand, a program that introduces Korean literature to the global audience every Tuesday. Our Wednesday program, Korea Today and Tomorrow, provides news on the latest diplomatic developments in and around the Korean peninsula. Want to go deeper than K-pop? Sounds of Korea takes a closer look at various traditional music every Thursday. KBS World Radio is your go-to channel for all things Korea. Tune in! KBS World Radio strives to promptly update our listeners on safety procedures during emergency situations. The following are recommended guidelines to follow on days with high levels of air pollutants. South Korea's weather authorities recommend you consistently check the level of air quality during the springtime when there are frequent bouts of ultra-fine dust or yellow dust in the air. When levels are high, refrain from going outside, keeping windows sealed to prevent the dust from seeping in. If you must go outside, wear masks, protective eyewear and long-sleeved clothing. To help reduce air pollution, leave your vehicle at home and use public transportation. Children, senior citizens and people with respiratory conditions should take particular caution. After returning home, you are advised to wash your hands and feet as well as brush your teeth. Turn on air purifiers and humidifiers to keep the air filtered and clean. Before eating, wash your produce such as fruit, vegetables and fish and cook your food before consumption. Also, wash your hands thoroughly before cooking to avoid secondary contamination. Please check our website at world.kbs.co.kr for up-to-date information and procedures. KBS World Radio